You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this episode of the Locked on Cavaliers podcast. As always, I am Chris Manning, your host and the site manager over at FearTheSword.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers site. If you aren't already, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Megaphone, or wherever else you listen to podcasts, including the new Himalaya podcast app. Uh, today's show is going to be the first in our player review series. So Jackson Flickinger from Fear the Sword joins me to talk about Nick Stauskas, Brandon Knight, and Matthew Dolabitova. We're going to get into all three guys, and then we're going to go through the whole roster. Uh, Sans Channing Fry and J.R. Smith, I believe we may talk a bit about Channing on a couple different shows because he's been such a fun personality. But we're really going to focus on guys that could be a part of the team next year or had some sort of direct impact on the results of the Cavs this year. Uh, Tuesday night is, of course, the last game. Cavs horn at 7 p.m. Unclear exactly who is going to be available for the Cavs. Charlotte needs the win to get into the playoffs. The Cavs could end up uh, as the second worst team in the league if they lose and then or at least be tied with the Sun for the worst record, setting up a tiebreaker scenario where they could uh, only fall to six instead of seven. So there is some implications on the draft lottery as well as the back end of the Eastern Conference playoffs in this game. Again, 7 p.m. tip-off. We'll have a recap of that last game, as well as any sights and sounds I pick up while I'm on site um, for Tuesday night's game. But uh, here's me and Jackson Flickinger, and we'll again back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Joining me now for our breakdown of Matthew Delavadova, the first player review this year we're doing is Jackson Flickinger, a writer with me over at FearTheSword.com. Jackson, how's it going? pretty good how about how about you i'm doing good i'm glad that we're getting into the fun part of talking about the Cavs personally uh before we get into this i i know this has been a long calf season i personally am sort of glad that it's done um i've said that a lot (laughs) but where are you at on this calf season was this something that amid all of the chaos i do think there were some enjoyable moments some interesting data points and games and such what what is that what will you do you think remember this season as um, I will remember it as like Sexton's development. I think really that's the biggest thing from this season. Um, he started off the season so bad, and then he's really taken steps forward, even though there's still flaws in his game. You can really see the development, and that's something that um, I, will, I will remember from this season. I'll probably also remember Jetty, um, how he like looked really good for like a couple weeks, and we all kind of overreacted, and he came back to the player that he probably is so those are those are probably the two things i'm going to remember i'm going to try to forget all the other injuries and the jr smith stuff because that you know kind of sad yeah a lot of it was bad the jr stuff it feels like it was two years ago frankly like that it just that feels like a whole other lifetime um my last member of jr smith this season was like him drinking a beer in the locker room so that that's how far we've really come in the jr experience i'll just start though with our play reviews. We're going to start with Delhi. Comes back to the Cavs, of course, in the George Hill trade that also brought John Henson um, to the Cavs. 
Jackson, when you look at Delhi, um, do you feel like this was more good or bad stuff from him? I, I personally think like as much as I haven't like looked at the the ton of the numbers deep diving on him because I don't find those to be always the most helpful in analyzing a team this bad but I did feel like when he was on the floor at the very least he was moving the ball and doing stuff that was at least different and what was sort of needed to make things functional and I feel like he at least had a role where, where do you stand on what Delhi was uh, when it, once he came back from the Cavs up until of course he had the concussion and missed a ton of time um, I completely agree with you he has the um third best net net rating on the team for players that are actually still on it, just behind Zizic and Nwaba with a minus 3.4. And he also has an assist percentage of 31.5, which is almost twice as much as the the next leader on the team, which is Larry Nance Jr. with 17.8. So, I mean, those, those two stats alone really highlight what you were saying, where this team really needs people to move the ball and and to generate an offense and set people up and Delhi was, you know, really is the only person on this team who has who actually excels in that area. So I think he's more valuable to the Cavs and his current roster than he would be on basically any other team that has a competent point guard. At least a competent point guard in terms of being able to set up an offense. So he really does have value to the Cavs, even if he doesn't have value elsewhere, in my opinion. I th- I think that's right. I also think the thing with him that it did at least in terms of a narrative standpoint, I think make him sort of useful as he did. I think take some of the um, some of the stink off the season because he's just beloved. Uh, I can say like from being at most home games this year. This is a guy that, like, when he checked into games, the pop was real. The, the the excitement about him was probably bigger than anyone on the team other than maybe Kevin Love to right up there with the team crossing 100 points and getting free chicken nuggets. Like, that, that is where the, the season was at and, and how much Delhi seems to mean. And it was, like, a really, really big deal the first game he was back. Like, I, I know that doesn't necessarily equate to the long-term health of the franchise. I know that there's not, he's not for everybody. There are people in the fan base that uh, don't particularly like him. And, you know, it it's an open discussion that we'll sort of get into about what his future might be. But I think at least, like, getting him back was at least just something that at least was a fun thing and something fun to sort of evaluate and see how people reacted to it, even if it was sort of fleeting. Um, and of course, you know, he, you know, left with the concussion and everything. We just didn't see him after that. It seems at least like that was to me, at least something that was at least a bright spot in like a pretty overall kind of bad season. Like it was, especially considering when that trade happened, Sexton wasn't playing well. There was a whole bunch of other issues. He at least kind of masked some of that. And I feel like at least that had some value in a weird way. Completely agree with you on that one. Okay. So with him helping the team, you mentioned something. I kind of. I'm just gonna see the floor to you here and let you talk about this. How do you feel like he, with the the way the Cavs had guards, they had um, Colin Sexton, obviously Jordan Clarkson, Brandon Knight. They had a lot of guards that were more comfortable playing with the ball in their hands. What do you feel like it offered the Cavs that they had someone who basically his whole reputation and value in the league has been a guy basically like he can do some basic pick and roll stuff. He throws a nice lob. But his, a lot of his value is basically playing as an off guard. What do you what do you feel like that brought the Cavs when he came over? Um, I think it it really to me it really highlighted how bad of a job the rest of the guards were doing at setting up an offense and getting people in the right position. You know, like Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton. You know, they're 
they're pretty they're untalented scorers, but they're not really setting people up or even like initiating the offense in any type of way. And really, Delvadova when he came over here, he really started doing that with the second unit, and you start and we started to see some success as he was running the second unit. You know, and I think you know his net his net rating really speaks to that because that's really a I mean he was really running a pretty bad bench unit and. You know, him and him and David Nawaba really stabilized that whole group and made him kind of like passable almost. So it, you know, he really does have value to this current roster, even though like he's really, you know, he's not he's not that good of an outside shooter anymore. At least not the one that we, you know, remembered like remembered him from when in, when he was on that championship team. He was only. He's only shooting 33.8% from deep this year, which really isn't that good. And that's basically consistent with his last two seasons in Milwaukee, where where he shot 37.2% and 36.7% from deep. So he really, you know, and he's not the he's not the defensive player that he has the reputation of being. He's you know he's he's not the most athletic guy. He he tries hard, which you know I guess that's something that the Cavs don't ne- don't necessarily always do on defense. But he's really, you know, he's really not a plus defender, in, in my opinion. But, you know, the Cavs are a, a pretty bad defensive team. But I, you know, he really does set up the offense, and that's something that is valuable to, to this team in particular. And I think, you know, we really saw that this year, especially contrasted with the other guards on this on this team. I would say the the guy that I think he actually had the best sort of rapport with, because I don't think he, he didn't like always play a ton with Sexton, but him and Jordan Clarkson actually had like some good chemistry. Um, I think it actually helped Clarkson to have a guy on the floor that could at least bring up the ball and didn't sort of play into Clarkson's worst habits. And there was that little action we saw them run uh, where Clarkson would kind of just do like a quick back cut and Deli would try to get him the ball rolling to the rim and just allow Clarkson to make a play. I like that use of Deli. I like that use of Clarkson. Um, I think it, it was it was smart. I think it was actually one of the better offensive things that Larry Drew sort of developed for that second unit, considering it didn't you know really have someone to anchor anything around, um, aside from Jordan Clarkson taking a, a ton of shots. Um, to wrap it up on Delhi, he's on an expiring contract for next season. I don't think he's a guy that other teams are necessarily going to want, but he could be someone that uh, you could flip for to clear money or something like that. Do you have an expectation that he at least, like for him in terms of what you would sort of, it's very early, it's April, but what you might expect for him in terms of the Cavs, his fit on the Cavs next season? Um, I mean, the Cavs do have a decent amount of guards in their, in their rotation with them, with Umdeli, Knight, Clarkson, and Sexton. Those are all, all those players are probably going to be back. I mean, they're probably going to trade you know, they could trade one of those players because, you know, besides besides Sexton, they they're all on expiring deals, I believe. So, you know, they could flip one of those in the in the off season, but I think it's more likely that they flip uh, probably around like you know one or two of those mid season. And considering the Cavs, it seems like they're kind of leaning towards a point guard to begin with in the draft with one of them. So, you know, they you know Delhi could be the odd man out because I because you know. With Brandon Knight, you can at least talk yourself into him becoming a better player or at least becoming the player that he was before his injuries with Delhi. He kind of already is, you know, he's not really going to get any better. This is this is who Delhi is at this point. We've seen this for multiple seasons. 
Um, so, I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a better fit on the second unit and with this current roster structure than, than Brandon Knight is, or, but I don't, I don't really see him, you know, having much of a, you know, much use beyond this season um, besides his contract. So I yeah. could see them flipping him, but he's not really like, unlike, unlike Burks or, or um, Hood, you could at least talk yourself into as an expiring contract. Plus the player can still help out your team with Delhi, any, any contending team that is looking to, you know, get off some money. They're not really interested in a backup point guard who isn't that good of an outside shooter and can't really play, you know, great defense. So, you know, he's really, at this point, he's really just a contract, kind of like J.R. Smith at this point is just a contract, you know. So that's kind of how I view Delhi at this point in time. Yeah, I think I'm with you, but I'll say two things, and we're going to take a quick break here. So I think, number one, uh, it would be more of a pragmatic move for him to get flipped, um, and not like an emotional move. I wonder how the fan, the fan base, I think some people might feel weird about him getting traded. I think you and I sort of can understand it analytically. I think a lot of people can feel that way. Um, but yeah, and then to bring, I forgot, I totally forgot about that Alec Burks existed. Just so people know, as we recorded this, he's only appeared in 13 games for the Kings, averaging 1.7 points. So um, didn't exactly help them make their failed playoff push, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to get into Nick Stauskas, another Cavs guard. And remember, to get this podcast every day, subscribe to Locked on Cavs on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with our personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya in your app store and subscribe to Locked on Cavs. We will be right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by Wise, the indoor camera that does it all. Wise is packed with premium features that allow you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. It has 1080p full HD, images so clear you won't miss a thing, night vision, and two-way audio. Wise's mission is to bring amazing smart home products and make them accessible to everyone. Check your home from anywhere with Wise's app live stream. Connect with life as it unfolds in sharp focus. If you go away for a couple hours and you have to run some errands, you can do things like making sure your food sitting around the stove for a couple hours keeps going and isn't boiling over while you're away. You can watch your plants grow through a time lapse. Or if you are, if you have a pet and you want to make sure your dog is doing okay and you have to leave for a couple hours, you can check in on it with Wise. And if you want more, they have that too. For just $10 more, Wise's can pan gives you 360 degree coverage in under three seconds. Life moves fast, so your camera should too. You can patrol your room with PanScan and set the camera's patrol route up to, with up to four custom waypoints. This works with Alexa and it has free rolling 14 day cloud storage. So go to wise.com backslash locked to get the guaranteed lowest price go check out wise today at wise.com that is w-y-z-e.com backslash locked and we are back okay so jackson and i are now going to get into nick stauskas 
came to the Cavs and their flurry of deals was cut, then brought in, um, ended up playing with the Cavs a decent amount, um, was kind of a, a back end of the rotation guy, seeing some regular minutes towards the end of the season, um, around 15-ish a night, which is what he's playing with Portland before he kind of cratered out of their rotation. Chicks, and I'll say this, I, I think Nick Stauskas is someone who is replacement level. I don't think he's a guy that is going to ever be a top, eight, nine player on a playoff team. I, I think like the sheets, the ship has sailed on that. I think defensively he's got some issues there that I, I think limit him. But I'll say this, that I do think after he settled in, cause he did look to be very much pressing those first couple of games, he got to Cleveland. I did find him to be someone who at least did the right thing in terms of knowing his role in offense for the most part. Ended up shooting well on three, uh, up around 43%, which is pretty good on about three attempts per game. Struggled making shots inside the inside the paint, that's fine, but tried on defense, made his free throws. I don't think he's someone you like pay a bunch of money for, but I don't really hate the idea of Nick Stauskas for at least one season, maybe two, being on a cheaper contract and just having him as wing depth. I think you could do worse than than him um, considering you know the Cavs don't have a ton of cap space, and I do think he was at least decent enough for me to feel not like he's a totally useless NBA player. Where do you stand on Nick Stauskas? Uh, I definitely see your point there. Um, the Cavs really, you know, especially in the beginning of the year, shooting was a big cause of concern. I was like outside shooting, and Nick Stauskas, if he can do anything, he is, you know, relatively consistent from the outside. As you as you mentioned, he's 42.4% from three uh, with the Cavs so far. Um, so, you know, they did, they they definitely need players who fit that kind of mold, like a wing who can shoot from the outside. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to bring this guy, Nick Stauskas back, but I do definitely see your point that he is basically a replacement level player. You know, as you mentioned, he's not good. At, he's not really good on defense. He's, you know, pretty bad on defense actually. And, you know, besides the outside shooting, he's not really bringing a whole lot more to the table, but he does, you know, know how to play. He's seems to always be in the right spots on the offense. And he does kind of space the floor better than, you know, their other rotation players. So I definitely could see them bring him back on a, you know, on a cheap deal, but if they didn't, I don't, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah, the defensive thing, I think, is a real concern. Because if you look at his defensive RPM, which you should, like, catch all defensive statistics, have their limitations, et cetera, et cetera. But um, he's at negative 2.72 for the year in 65 games with the Cavs and the the Portland Trail Blazers. Um, that's in, that's Devin Booker, Marco Bellinelli, Grayson Allen, Reggie Bullock territory. It's it's mostly lumped in with Booker, who's at uh, as we recorded this 2.74. Bellinelli is at 2.76. No one is associating competent defense uh, with with Bellinelli and Booker. Now, by the same statistic, like Clay Thompson's uh, a negative 1.6 on the year, right? Like there is some flaw, you know. I mean, there's there's something to the idea that like Clay is a better defender when it really matters, and I don't think Stauskas like is that guy. I also don't think he he like Jetty, I don't feel like he benefited from two things. Number one, playing on a team that was like not really trying on defense, or like at least certain guys were not trying on defense and the scheme wasn't working. Like there was nothing good about what the Cavs were doing on defense this year. And secondly, he was defending up a lot. Like he was playing the three a lot. And I think like he has the height to guard some threes and I think certain teams don't have that bigger three 
in terms of like a guy that could really bully him. But I don't also feel like he benefited from not being able to guard like twos. The problem is he doesn't have like foot speed to defend some of the quicker twos. So he's like a weird tweener in that regard almost. But And he's not like a light type shooter where he overwhelms it. I mean, but I think for me, the thing I keep coming back to is like, they don't have a lot of money to spend. They're going to need some shooting. Um, they're going to at least want some depth on the wing. I think it's one of the roster problems they had this year is that they had like a roster lacking really in the middle. And I think if you could bring Stauskas back and give him like a shot to be a rotation guy, because he's probably you know not going to have a ton of offers this summer, I would guess. I, I think you could do worse. You could do better, but you could do worse. Completely agree with you there. Is there anything he could have done better that would have sold you on him in a different way is there something like you could have seen from him um in his time with the Cavs that would have made you think okay this guy is like worth maybe maybe not like a lot of money or like you know a guaranteed rotation spot but more than the way we're sort of talking about him now as like a edge of the rotation kind of guy um I mean my expectations for him were pretty low we've we've seen a type of player he he is you know um Maybe if you, you know, obviously if you would have hit more threes or taken more threes, you know, he's only attempting 2.8 a game. You know, if he was attempting more and still hitting at like a, like around a 43% clip, I'd be more intrigued. He also doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to, it's, it's really unfair to compare anybody to Kyle Corver and his off ball gravity. But like when Nick Stauskas comes off the screen, he doesn't, you know, the defense doesn't overreact and, you know, get out of position to try to cover him. So it's not, you know, so he just, I don't know. He just, it is, he, he doesn't bring a whole lot to the table. And that's just kind of the player that he is at this point in his career. So, I mean, there's not really a, like a whole lot. He, I could have expected him to do that would, you know, really have sold me on, on him long-term. <laughs> The, th- the one thing I'll say that I think could make him better in terms of just like finding a little niche is uh, it's something that I think didn't help Rodney Hood either to some degree. The Hood has a little more bounce in his game, but also like Stauskas is like a disappointing, underwhelming wing player. Uh, according to NBA.com backslash stats, Stauskas is at 41.3% on 1.7 attempts per game and catch and shoot threes. He's at 30.6% on 1.1 attempts per game on those on pull-up threes. It's like there's clearly like a big difference there, and that to me makes sense, um, considering the lineups he's playing in, considering the shot difficulty, stuff like that. If you had him playing like the Jake Lehman role, that like where Jake Lehman like is basically just running around screens and is like the fifth guy taking threes on the floor, or like pick any other shooter who's playing that role on any other team, that's probably the best way to maximize Stauskas if he's going to play like 12 to 15 minutes a game. I guess it does sort of depend on what the Cavs you know, do this summer. But if let's say they like draft Kobe White or let's say they draft like basically anyone who's like not like an elite shooter and like even if they maybe take another wing in the at their second first round pick, like I feel like there's at least like something you could at least try with that. Um because I look at the roster next year and I don't I don't tell me if you disagree here, but I feel like there is like some potential lacking of spacing again. And like I feel like at least if you could bring back Stauskas for like a minimum deal, like you could you could do worse. And this is me like pumping up Nick Stauskas more than I probably should be. And I'm maybe overthinking lacking shooting, but the Cavs just like don't have a lot of dudes who are good at shooting the basketball, really. Yeah, spacing spacing is definitely an issue on this team. You know, you know, really like I'm still really hesitant to believe that Sexton's a good outside 
suitor, you know, long-term, you know, you don't, you know, there's nothing about Larry Nance Jr. that makes my shooting is going to keep progressing or that it's real, you know, and they really don't have any shooters on the bench. Like, you know, David Nawaba is not a shooter. Marquise Chris, well, he was probably like, I don't think he's going to be back with the team, but he's not really a good outside shooter. You know, you keep, you can keep going down the list and they just really don't have shooting. So you can talk yourself into a player like Nick Stauskas, but whether that has to be Nick Stauskas or not, I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning towards, I'd rather get a different version of that type of player instead of Nick Stauskas. Cause we've seen what Nick Stauskas can be. And, you know, this is his ceiling. I don't think he can really get much higher than that. Uh, who is who is more interesting to you, Rodney Hood or Nick Stauskas? Um, well, <laughs> going into this, <laughs> this season, is, this is a Rodney sad. Qu- this is a sad question. I, I will caveat that that this is like a very sad, depressing question for me to ask anybody. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if Rodney Hood played the way that we all wanted him to play definitely Rodney Hood, but the guy who steps in and dribbles, you know, two times before taking a contested long two and just checks out of games, you know, for 20 minutes at a time, it seems like I, you know, I'm done with the Rodney Hood experience. So give me next task. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a not great scenario. Um, we're going to take one more break and then we're going to be back to get into Brandon Knight and a little bit of a wrap up on this sort of guys that I think are all kind of grouped together. Uh, but remember that Locked on Cavs is not the only Cleveland podcast you can catch every day from the Locked on Podcast Network. If you aren't already, be sure to check out Locked on Browns, hosted by Jeff Lloyd, and Locked on Indians, hosted by Jeff Ellis. And you can get those wherever you get your podcasts, including the new Himalaya podcast app. We'll be right back. All right, Jackson and I are back. Okay, Brandon Knight. Did Brandon Knight meet your expectations, Jackson? Was Did whatever you were expecting out of him, did he meet it? Or was, was he like more useful than you expected? What did you make of the Brandon Knight is a Cavalier experience, like seven years removed from Kyrie Irving nu- nuking his kneecaps on, on All-Star Weekend? Um, It kind of exceeded it, and then it, you know, missed it. Uh, you know, depending on the game. And I think we've seen that with players who are coming off of injuries. You know, we kind of saw this last year with the brief Derrick Rose experience that we had. You know, there'd be a couple plays where he makes a couple cuts and you're like, wow, you know, this is vintage Derrick Rose. You know, how many times have we heard that on Twitter or whatever? But then, you know, there's, you know, large portions of the game, like most of the games, it's just he's just not the same player that he was. He doesn't have the same, you know, explosiveness. And I think that's kind kind of what we saw from Brandon Knight to an extent, you know, There'd be some games where he looked a lot more like his former self, and you know, especially when he when he was hitting outside threes, like his first couple games with Cleveland, he seemed to be hitting every three that he took, and you could really talk yourself into, you know, Brandon Knight becoming, you know, kind of like the player that he was before. But then, you know, other nights he would just disappear. I believe the uh, the game against the Clippers uh, last week, last some weekend, he you know was like a minus. 30 something in the game, you know, had no impact in the 25 minutes he played. So it's like, you know, so at times, you know, I, I, w- I would get excited about him. Like he can be the 
you know, he can kind of be the player that he was before, maybe another, you know, off season under his belt of, you know, rehab and adjusting to life after the injury. Maybe he can, you know, you can talk another team into taking him and him being like a useful part of that team. But, you know, most nights it's been, you know, you know, kind of under underwhelming to say the least. I think his offensive game was interesting. Um, I think he had like this nice little floater. He was taking threes and kind of making them um, at least at a decent clip. Um, I felt at least like if you were going to start another offensive minded guard next to Colin Sexton, like I didn't hate it being the Brandon Knight type. Like I don't think it's obviously a long term solution. And I, you know, I wonder about his athleticism after the knee injury. His like three numbers, um, like for the year, are not all that great. Um, you know, if you look at them in March, they're like a little bit better. They're still like kind of underwhelming, like 36% on catch and shoot threes, only was shooting, um, you know, 42% from the field. That's not good. Defensively was the thing to me that I was just like, <laughs> uh, because he didn't try a lot. Like the Brandon Knight chill factor where he's like, I'm just going to try and get buckets and not try in defense was very real, which I can, I can understand. Like the Cavs are bad. Um, you're not really playing to for a contract. You're really maybe playing to like be on the team next year and have a chance to rebuild your career, uh, have a chance to like get another deal next summer, or be you know maybe some team takes a chance on you in a trade. Um, I, I feel like the big thing is that he did play a ton of minutes with Colin Sexton. Did he, do you feel like you learned anything about Sexton, or did he help you learn anything about Sexton as he did rise and sort of the same time they were playing together? because Knight was his backcourt, or is, it, is this a Colin Sexton thing, or is there is there anything you can take from that partnership that you feel like we should maybe keep in our minds going forward when we think about Colin? Um, I think that it showed that he can play, you know, kind of off-ball more, and that he's, you know, he could be comfortable in that in that role, and I think we saw that, especially, especially when we saw him play with Knight and Love was out there. You could see Sexton kind of, like, not force things, you know, playing within the game, playing with, you know, taking advantage of what the defense is giving him as opposed to, you know, earlier in the season, he just seemed to be, you know, pounding the ball for like 15 seconds before taking it, you know, a long contested two. So we did see, you know, growth and we saw that Sexton can play off ball, but, you know, I'm ideally I'd rather if, if I'm pairing Sexton with another, with another guard, like Brandon Knight's, probably not high on the list of people that I'd want to pair him with considering, you know, you mentioned his defensive limitations, you know, he's only six, three, you know, so it's really tough to see, you know, the pair Sexton with another shorter guard because, you know, Sexton hasn't been good defensively this year. And, you know, when you have two, six, three guys out there who aren't good on defense, it's just, you know, a disaster. And I think we saw that. I think we saw that too. So, on offense, it was it was good at times. On defense, it was mostly bad. Uh, just to put some numbers to this, so in 360 minutes, uh, Knight and Sexton played together as we recorded this. They were a negative 13.7 per 100 possessions. Now, the caveat there is the starting lineup of um, Knight, Love, Osmond, Sexton, and Zizic, which was that starting lineup they ran with for several games um, when there was a bunch of injuries, was only n- minus 1.9 per 100 possessions. So, like, that's not quite as bad. Um, the lo- so like that, like there, there's some weirdness, I would say, there in sort of what we're uh, what we're seeing. Um, 
in that regard. So I, but I, I feel the same. Like, I think Brandon Knight is fine. He's almost like the inverse of Delhi in that's in the sense that like Delhi is going to like try hard on defense and take threes, but Brandon Knight's like going to take a bunch of threes, but like not try on defense and maybe handle the ball a little bit more. Um, if you had next year, they're both going on expiring contracts. Knight's making about $5 million more than Matthew Labadova. You know, Clarkson on the expiring deal and whatnot. There, there's a chance the Cavs like could draft a guard. It seems like they're going to be adding wings in the draft. That would seem to be the biggest position of need, and it could be, you know, a point guard like John Morant, Kobe White, etc. If you're only going to have like one um, on the roster next year, if you could say like if you're Kobe Altman and you're going to move one of these two guys, Delhi or Brandon Knight, this summer, is there one you would rather have back next year as opposed to the other? Um, I think Brandon Knight is a far better player than Delhi, or at least more skilled at this point, but I probably would lean to having Delhi back just because, you know, for a number of reasons. Number one being that if you traded Delhi in his expiring contract, you know, it's really hard for a team to talk themselves. I, I mentioned earlier, it's really hard for a team to talk themselves into Delhi working for them, for them because most teams have a competent, you know, point guard who can move the ball. So, you know, we saw how poorly he played in Milwaukee the last couple of years. So I don't think Delhi has a whole lot of, you know, has a whole lot of, you know, value as a player. And I think Brandon Knight still does. You know, we saw, we saw at times how he can still be a good scorer. You mentioned his floater, you know. So I personally would rather, you know, trade away Knight with the, with the hope of getting more in return than what you get for Delhi. Also, I think Delhi is you know, better suited to run a second unit alongside Jordan Clarkson. You know, Delhi, Delhi, Delhi has a lot more of what the Cavs need. The Cavs really need play, really need playmakers. They really need guys who can set up the offense. Delhi can do that. And Brandon Knight really hasn't shown that much of an interest in doing that since he, since he's been brought over. So just for comparison's sake, uh, you know, Delhi has a 31.5 assist percentage and, uh, Brandon Knight is 16.1. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I really would lean towards Delhi. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you just because, at least in the short term, and this is like another question because, like, it, you know, you have to figure out what's going to go on with Jordan Clarkson. The Cavs, like, can't, like, Clarkson and Knight on a team that is properly constructed and has had, like, a summer to fill itself out are probably, are certainly, I think, redundant players. Um, I don't think that there's necessarily like a need for both of them. Maybe one of them gets moved in the summer. My guess is Clarkson would have more value. So maybe like Knights just like on the team next year gets flipped at the deadline or something like that. And then like this sort of doesn't matter quite as much. Um, I also wonder what he would be like if he doesn't play. You know, like I, I don't really quite know if he's going to be chill like I just don't. I just personally don't know. He's talked a, a pretty good game about mentoring Colin, but if he's on the team next year and is like buried on the depth chart behind like uh, a mix of like Jetty, Kobe White, Deli, and Clark's like all these guys, Sexton. Like I'd wonder how that sits with him too. There's just like some questions here. I don't know how they're they're gonna necessarily uh, be answered or what he's gonna look like next year. Like his his body could just be healthier next year and he's he could look like a, a fresher player um, as he goes into his prime. Um, do you, do you feel like there's there's anything we in, with any of these guys, Deli, Stauskas, Knight, uh, do you have like one final take about any of these guys or the Cavs guard position as a whole that you feel like you just need to get off your chest as we as we let the season go? Um, Not really. Uh, just basically, you can't, I really don't see how you can, you know, 
especially if you're going to add a point guard with either, you know, either of those two picks that the Cavs have this year, really doesn't make much sense to have Dully, Knight, and Clarkson and Sexton on the same team. So, you know, I think one of them would have to go. I think, I think it kind of has to. I, I think it's it's a more pressing concern with the bigs because of how many guys they have under contract and the, the weirdness of those contracts. But I think this is sort of the same kind of cluster. Uh, but you can find Jackson on Twitter at Akron underscore Jackson. You can read his writing at For the Sword during the season. He writes a great Things We Learned This Week column. Um, we're going to figure out something for him to do in the summer, but you'll be able to read his thoughts uh, there at For the Sword and, and definitely on this podcast again going forward. Jackson, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Again, thanks to Jackson Flickinger for coming on. Find him on Twitter at Akron underscore Jackson. Again, tomorrow, recap of Cavs Hornets up in this feed. If you want a Hornets perspective on the show, check out Locked on Hornets wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out Locked on NBA as well as we gear up for the playoffs. And you want your daily dose of NBA, that is the place to do it. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers.